The following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. The Intentional Foul is back after a week off due to technical problems, which we don't need to go into, but forces beyond our control did not allow us to fully release the last week edition of the podcast. We recorded it. (laughs) It it was about three quarters of the way, two thirds of the way done. Yeah. And it's floating in cyberspace somewhere and which is a shame because i thought we had some pretty good stuff going well we had a lot to talk about so yes, i mean with the, really with the bear with, game and with the, the wild card coach weekend and, and yeah it was a lot of a uh, lot of good content wasted as they say but that's all right back now for what's going to be a little bit lighter edition because this football starts to get down to the Last few games of the season, basketball wraps up. We got pitchers and catchers. We'll talk a little baseball. Um, the Bucks continue to be good, and um, we'll have another top five. It's the same one that we we're going to have last week, um, since we didn't deliver on that. But I'm just really disappointed because there were two things that we had going, and I can't remember even what the other one was. But one of them was if the if the Eagles were going to beat the Saints in New Orleans. You were going to buy a Nick Foles jersey and wear it. Correct. Yes. And Alshon Jeffrey ruined that because watching that game, that was the Eagles game right up until that moment. The other one was I was going to do something with like dragging my ass like a dog, but I don't remember. <laughs> That's right. I don't remember the other half of the That's right. the wager, but yeah, you were going <laughs> to sit with your legs up and drag yeah. your all like, over the carpet, just like Brian or something. and Family Guy, just start dragging ass. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the the stipulations on what needed to happen for that, but nah, I can't remember. Nevertheless, doesn't count if it's not. No, documented, and so. we don't have it documented. I threw the paper away when our when our podcast went down the tube. So I'm sounding a little echoey. Is that? It's your your pr- just me. You're All probably right. fine. All right, good. it's okay. What what matters is we're actually rolling yes. tape, and All we right. are two minutes and. 50 seconds in, and I don't think we will have anything seize up on us today. Hope not. So, um, do you want to even recap anything from last week? You just want well, to jump into what happened there? I mean, well, you don't have to relive the Bears the, debacle. Yeah, we spent a majority of the time talking about about that Bears uh, that and then game. and then and then Lafleur getting hired. Yeah, but uh, you know, just uh, especially after watching uh, the Eagles Saints game on Sunday, it it even kind of made the Bears loss worse, um, because the Saints were kind of ripe for the picking. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I now granted the Bears wouldn't have played the Saints; they would have played the Rams. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, certainly th- things might have been might be very very different this weekend had the Bears won that game, but they didn't. You uh, you did again, and I will point out from last week you did your best Notre Dame uh, Nostradamus. 
prediction machine and saying that oh, yeah. before the Bears game that it would come down to the leg of Cody Parkey, and yeah. it did. I told you, I think I said that with about two or three weeks left in the regular season, that I, I believed that he would either cost them or be involved in them their season ending prematurely. And, you know, in the worst I what told you, you know? so ever, I was, I was correct. Horribly correct, yeah. but correct nonetheless. Um, so... That's that. Uh, Packers hired a new coach. We'll get to that in a, in, in a minute. I was really impressed uh, with the Bears, um, although now I'm curious to see what the defensive makeup is, and I, I was just mentioning this this morning um, to one of my coworkers, is that this is going to be a very interesting upcoming season for the Bears defense because you had the number one defense in the league your D coordinator is gone. Your secondary coach is gone. You got a number of position coaches gone. Like right now, the only guy left on the staff from this season is the defensive line coach. And it uh, all the pieces are back on the field. But if you want to see what difference coaching makes and opponents, there's some of that. But still, you have all the, all the remnants of a good defense still there except for the coaching staff. So... It'll be it'll be interesting to see how instrumental Fangio and Ed Donatel were to that defense next year when they don't have them anymore and all the players are back. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, I you know, and I, I don't get too into the weeds with these these coaches and their you know the schemes, schemes. that they sure, run no, and things like that. I would have to believe that Pagano's schemes are. Very similar, similar to yes. what Fangio's running, just because not of gonna redo the personnel everything. that you yes. have and the way right. you play. Yep. You know, I can't imagine the Bears want to change that much. No, tweak, you could tweak it a little bit here and there. But Nagy and Pace aren't going to go out and say, "We just had the number one defense. We're going to go get a coach and exactly going to just redo." They're everything. not all of a sudden going to start no. running the Tampa two and and right. you know with the personnel no, they got. So I would nuts. think that they're going to be close, but you know, Pagano's got a pretty good track record. He, I was he, impressed with that hire immediately. You know, some, oh. some good years with the Ravens is their D coordinator. Yeah. And uh, the, he, you know, four years with the Colts went to the playoffs the first three years. And then of course missed the last year because luck didn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had a, a decent run there. I think they made one AFC championship game. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, as much as it sucks to lose Fangio, who's probably the top D coordinator in, in football the last couple of years. Seems like it. Uh, as much as it sucks to lose him, um, getting Pagano is is a nice, you know, it's a nice replacement. At least it gives you a little bit of hope going forward that, you know, they got a guy with a little bit of a pedigree. I'm, I would like to talk to some people that cover the league and just ask exactly how instrumental position coaches are. Like when you get to the league, I mean, it's a lot of film study. It's a lot of one-on-ones. It's a lot of schematics. And the D coordinator is generally calling the game plan. But during the week leading up to it, I'm sure the position coaches are in charge of what your assignments are and who you need to um, think about, what you need to do, and all that. But I, I, I guess I just don't know whether the position coaches are as instrumental as the coordinators. Well, I would think they probably are just because they're on the sideline physically where the the, the coordinators a lot of times are sitting up in Generally the booth. Generally in the booth, yeah. So, you know, may, you know, I don't know if they're more the relayers of the information during the game as you know uh, of of what people upstairs are seeing. Sure. Maybe that's what they do, but um 
I, I don't know. It, that's I guess that's an interesting question. I I mean the Packers are going through the same thing right now, um, so I I you know I I don't know all these offensive guys and we can get to that uh, I think in a it, second. It 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 really might depend on your your head coach too because you know some of these head coaches now are so specialized. Like Nagy is the head coach, but he's he's really you know he's head coach slash offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. So yeah. I don't think I saw him much this year interacting with you know the D line during the game. Oh no! Because when they're sitting, he's coach. He's right. calling the plays, yep. and when we're out on the field, he's letting Fangio do his thing. So, you know, I, I would be. I, I would think that you know a coach like Belichick is going to obviously be more interactive with the, with his defense mm-hmm. and even his offense because he's just more of a CEO type of a coach or a Tomlin or somebody like that that maybe isn't actually calling the right. plays. He's just overseeing all the departments. Right. So maybe they're a little more, you know, th- that way them and their their position coach is a little more active. I, I don't know. I'm, right. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But So do you want Cody Parkey back on the team? Uh, no, and I don't think that the Bears do either. Not after the, the coach and the general manager came out and basically said that this is uh, this is definitely a me thing, not a we thing. Yeah, and I look. Parky's like twenty five. He's been in the league though. He's yeah, been no, a couple different teams for sure, for sure. And I'm not trying to make excuses for that guy. Believe me, but he's twenty five. He obviously was asked to go on the Today Show, and whoever his people are told him it would be fine, and it was a bad call. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily made it on his own. I mean, ultimately, you're you running the show. Yes. You have to say yes. Yeah. But, you know, to go on there and and kind of play a little bit of the woe is me and have, you know, Hoda and these women that, you know, forgive me, but they don't know what they're talking about. Um, you know, they gave him the most honorable player award. For what? For sitting in his locker and, and answering the questions that See, he's now, supposed to sit there and answer? You and I talked about that. And I don't get it. It's very easy for a player in his position, as we've seen a couple of people have in the past, when something bad happens and they're on the wrong end of it, before the media gets there to just duck out and not have to face the firing squad. But and the what, fact that he was what waiting. Do do? What, what do we do when those players do that? We rip them. For ducking out? For sure. Absolutely. Okay, so why are we patting you on the back for, for doing what we think you're supposed to do? That's I'm glad that he didn't do the opposite. Sure. That that's all I was saying. I'm not I he he gets credit for me for own from me for owning up to a mistake because to me it's just as easy to turn tail and run. Now, I also didn't know that he came in the next morning, cleaned out his locker before the assigned media availability and the closing comments to all the players. And then he ducked out before anybody got a chance to talk to him. So that kind of erases that whole thing after the game. Well, and, and you know, a lot of people talk about the kick was tipped. It wasn't all his fault, whatever. yada, 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 whatever. At the end of the day, he's got to make the kick. That's right. Um, but, you know, what What I've read and, and a lot of people, especially that are Packer fans that don't follow the Bears real closely, don't know, the Bears several times during the season – were telling him he needed to go to Soldier Field and kick in some crap conditions yes. to get used to kicking there yes. late in the season. Robbie Gold used to and do that he, too. He refused to do it. He balked well, at it. I, I didn't know that he, he did. He did not want to do that. So look, they're, they're telling you, kid, 
You've never kicked here in December and January. It's going to be It's not crap. the same as September. Right. You have to go out here and you have to prepare for it. I think they were trying to get him to do it uh, after like week 13, something like that, once it really, you know, the weather started to change. He, he finally said yes. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to beg a guy to no. do that. No, you should you should take the word of the coaches and the rest of the players, the people that have been in Chicago, saying these are going to be the elements. You haven't been there. You just got to trust us. This will help the team. Hundred percent. If you are more prepared, so the fact that he didn't jump in on that um, obviously is a major mistake. And I, I don't know what the money that Chicago is going to have to eat will be. I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit of guaranteed it was money like in there, four or five million bucks guaranteed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it was a four-year, $9 million deal, I think. So they're going to have to eat some of that if they don't want him back. But that the Robbie Gold non-re-signing is just... Oh, it's, be, it's, it was bad the day that it happened. Right, and it's, now people it's have continuing been, to just yeah. loom. Bear fans have been, have been crying about that since the day that they released him because they didn't want to pay him. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Parky thing and the 4 or $5 million cap hit, whatever it is, like, to me... If you believe that you're a Super Bowl contender, which I think they do, four million ain't nothing. Oh no, it's a drop in the bucket. That ain't nothing, right? You I'm, know, I'm go, totally with go you. Go get a better player. Fine, you know, I'm good with that. So I, but the the Nagy and, and Pace's comments were very interesting on him, and and Pace, you know, was a little more diplomatic about it. With well, the you general know, manager we're, has to we're be. gonna we're gonna yeah. have we're gonna make sure we have competition yeah. and and there are some salary cap things that again I'm not gonna get into the weeds on, but you know, like they can't cut him before June one anyway. So they'll probably let him come to camp, I'm guessing, and compete with somebody else who they hope can win the job. Because I, I you know I'll be interested I, to I see just, who that is. I just don't think that you can in good conscience because he's gonna miss kicks. Trot him back Nobody, out there. I mean, in the history yeah. of the league, there's been like five guys that have gone perfect in a season. So he's gonna miss kicks. But the first time he misses a kick, people are gonna lose their minds. <laughs> you know, and, and we talked about it a little bit last week. Um it's it's different than with a team like Green Bay, where you've got a kicker in Crosby who's been there a very, very long time and has made huge kicks for you. So a couple of years ago when he went through that rough patch, and, yep. and fans did get upset, but you weren't necessarily screaming for his head because he had a little bit of cachet from what he had done previously. For you sure. still had trust in him. But There's no trust with the Parker. Packers pulled the same thing and they brought somebody yes, in for sure into camp. And since then, aside from, I think, one game this season, he's the Lion been, game, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's been pretty darn reliable and one of Absolutely. the best in the league. Absolutely. So if, if that can give him a, you know, but a that's in, that's who he has been his whole career. True. He had the little bitty hiccup that one year. Right. Parky's just not off to a good no. start right away. No. And then all, and, and then the stuff coming out about not wanting to do what they're asking you to do that's that's not good. How are you on the news that uh, that they would possibly maybe if it was uh, if Kareem Hunt was available gets reinstated by the commissioner's office because Nagy has ties to him in Kansas City um, during Hunt's rookie year when he was an offensive coordinator there uh, bringing him in. How, how are you as a Bear fan? having someone with that public image and who has done something that is very, very wrong um, out in in the public eye? Uh, well, first of all, I'm surprised it took this long for that to come up. 
for Kareem Hunt to the Bears to come up okay. because of those connections. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I feel? <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, conflicted. You know, I, on one hand, the guy's a hell of a player. The Bears are in in need of uh, speed and playmaking, especially at that position. And this it, is going to be Jordan Howard's last year. Yeah, and he's not really he doesn't really fit that offense anyway. And they kind of knew that going into this year, but the, you know they kept him around. Um, it, Hunt would no question improve that team. Um, but yeah, you know there's baggage. Um, I don't know how how do Chiefs fans feel with Tyreek Hill? How do Cubs pretty, fans pretty, pretty good right feel now with Addison Russell? Yeah. How do they feel when they got Araldis Chapman? Yeah. You know, there, so, there, there's a there's a really good guy that helped put them over the top. And on the one hand, you're you're winning games and competing for a World Series, and life is rainbows and gummy bears. On the other hand, I feel dirty for cheering for a player who has not really done respectable things. Well, and you and I have talked about this many times, and we've got a, a mutual friend who's a big Kobe fan, a big Tiger fan, and and you know you're like, how do you how do you cheer for that guy? And it's like, I guess you have to separate it. And if you can, great. If you can, you know, like I'm I, not one that can do that. Would I would I buy a Kareem Hunt jersey? And I'm, am I going to support Kareem Hunt? No. But if he's on the Bears and he scores a touchdown, am I going to be happy about it? Sure. I, I guess that's where that's where I'm able to separate. It's good you know, for the team. It just with a, with like a with like a Tiger Woods, it's a little different because there is no it's team. It's just right? the guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, but on a football team, he's one of fifty three. Uh, you know, there's no excuse for what he did. It was really bad. I mean, it wasn't as bad as some of the other ones we've seen, True. but it's still bad. Yep, on a scale that's um, just all bad. But there's a lot of bad dudes in the NFL on a lot of these teams. That have got a lot of arrests for a lot of different stuff, yep. stuff we don't even know about. Probably true as well. So, I don't know. Okay. Packers have a new offensive coordinator. It's Nathaniel Hackett. And you were texting me the other day that you were really, really concerned and really scared as a Bears fan because Green Bay was getting all these new guys that are apparently being slathered by people around the league as being offensive geniuses, but then you look at the places they come from and the track record. The high-powered AFC South? <laughs> the, the the division of 13 to 10 games? Yeesh. Yeah, I, um, and it, I mean, I said... Now, granted, this, they don't have the same quarterback, but... I, and and I, I, right. And I said it this morning, but at, part of your job as a coach is to get these guys up to snuff and coach them and make them better. Yeah. And uh, again, there's one guy out of 53, but it's your most pivotal guy. I mean, Bortles regressed. For sure. For I mean, sure. You know. And and he's the guy that was in charge of that. Yes. Of that relationship. Now, do I think Bortles is any good to begin with? No. No. So overachieving but, two years ago. It very well could be. But that could be. To me, you have to at least give some credit to the offensive coordinator. I don't know how much because then you have the same tools to work with and you come back the next year and it's all garbage. Right. So then what's Do you, you, you can't you can't not give credit and then give all blame. Right. You know? Oh, right. I, I I totally agree. Yeah. So um you've got a guy who called the plays in Tennessee, and we had talked a little bit about last week. Um on the uh, the episode that will never be aired, that Mariota's okay, it's not great, right? Um, but uh, 
there's these anonymous league people that say they've got a good can't they've got a good guy here they this guy'll do a good job this person is one of the up and comers to me it doesn't really make a difference if this is one scout from one team saying this uh, the, yeah you know if it's anonymous or that okay i don't know you from an anonymous person so it doesn't matter to me my trust is the fact that you know what you're doing because you're in the league and know football so i I kind of have to hope that you know what you're talking about. Nothing's going to get proven until the course of the season progresses next year. You don't know. You can only hope. That's all. And you hope that this conglomeration, this mesh of guys that apparently know a lot, have good relationships, can work with with quarterbacks and have you know um, really innovative and creative plays and schemes that this offense can be resurrected. The defense I'm not even worried about. Um, honestly, um, a lot of these position coaches are just holdovers that, you know, to me, the time has come for everything to just kind of be washed away. Patton's not a McCarthy guy. Um, I think the tight end coach is staying. Everybody else has kind of been let go. Um, so they're just kind of building the staff from the ground up on defense around Mike Patton, whereas on offense, pretty much everybody but the tight ends coach is going to be new. And you just hope that you find a couple guys that can make a positive impact and get the players in better positions and get them performing better um, with what they put in front of them with the stuff they're going to run. I, I, otherwise, I don't really have any, any analysis right. because these guys don't really have much of a body of work. I would, uh, y- you could write this down. Oh, yes. Can't wait. More predictions. Uh, Here we go. I'm penciling in the Packers. Oh, I got it in, pen. in in the playoffs next year. Packers playoffs. Okay, for sure. One hundred percent division yes. win. Or we'll, we'll figure wild out. Card. We'll, we'll figure out what Packers I'm going to do if I'm wrong. 2019 down the road because it's so far away. Okay, but Put yeah, I think the Packers are going to be fine next year. Um, Is that just because it's new? Yeah. The, well, a couple of reasons. I think okay. that. Um, Whatever your opinion of Rodgers is, I think next year he's going to be on his 110% best behavior, saying all the right things, buying into what they're doing. Um, so it's a public relations year. For for him. Bas- right. For him, yes. yes. From from the Packers' perspective, I think that um, I would not be – I think they're going to make significant roster changes. I think you're going to see a guy like Cobb, if he's back, is going to take a pay cut. If Matthews is back, he's going to take a pay cut. Um, they have uh, two first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, I think, they have a couple extra picks, maybe Probably. even sprinkled in there yeah. as well. Um, they drafted last year, okay. Um, I think th- I just think they're going to get an influx of young talent here in the next before next season. I wouldn't be surprised. They're not going to go out and sign any big name guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got some guys that are. Just good players to fill in a couple of spots, maybe a safety, you know, something like that. Ha uh-huh, Clinton Dix is a free agent. Well, right, but they and they, didn't want, they don't want to pay him. Uh-huh. But I I just think next year is going to be a little of a honeymoon phase. Okay, they're going to be playing a third place schedule. Um, yeah, but the I mean, we haven't seen the way the schedule maps out. But like I was talking to some some Packer fans, and the road teams, the 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 breakup of home versus away, it's brutal. Like the away teams for the the conferences they have to play are they in the AFC, the AFC West, West and then the NFC East? Okay, the away games are murder. 
And again, you don't get a, a good full semblance of what they have to do and where they have to go until the schedule comes out. Like as soon as the schedule came out, I told you these five weeks after the bye week going to define the season yep. and it wound up doing so. Right. Um, so until that's all mapped out, I'm not going to say anything because if, if they're spread out and they get some winnable games sandwiched around some really tough road, tri- you know, road games or whatever, you can probably skate by with that. But if they have some sort of a schedule lineup like they had this year, that includes those five road games and then a round of Vikings and Bears in the division and maybe like an at Detroit. I'm not really sure because the road games next year are going to be really, really tough. Well, what'll be interesting too is those those two extra games that are not division games and they're not going to be the outside divisions that you're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the years past when they haven't played the NFC West, it seems like they always play Seattle. Yes, you know, yep. so it's good. those extra two games um, that are just kind of random. That's where their their third place slot will come in. They probably won't have to go to Seattle on a Thursday night next year. You hope you, not. You know, they might get. They don't have two, Cincinnati at home. Two road games, home game, two road games. Yeah. I mean, so that that was pretty tough. That'll be interesting to see. But you're right. The breakdown matters. I mean, if you play, you know. Do you play the Eagles in uh, September or do you play them in December? That's a home game. The Broncos, not great. Panthers, not great. Raiders, terrible. Redskins, not great. Those are all home. Now you're talking at the Chiefs, at the Cowboys, at the Chargers. Mm -hmm. And then you play the Giants and the Niners at home, which you're on each coast again. Travel could have been a problem this year. You don't know because they had to go east coast to west coast home and mm-hmm. then back to a different coast. Right. Um, so, again, it, it you know, until the schedule comes out, you can't speak to the difficulty. You just hope that it, it kind of evens out. Well, and, and really, I mean, you know, to kind of go against my own point of them playing a third-place schedule, this, this league is, is a complete and utter crapshoot year in and year out. You know, I mean, who the hell would have thought that the – Steelers were going to be seven and eight or eight right. and seven or whatever they were. I mean, and who would have thought the Packers were going to have the year they had? So you never know. All right, should we move on? Yeah, divisional weekend. Um, all the top seeds advance. All the offensive teams, top teams yeah. uh, in the league advance. So, I mean, if it's chalk, is it boring? I guess. Well, I just think the games have been boring. I felt I've fallen asleep during a couple. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw the well the the Colt. Texan game. It was twenty-one to nothing in like three right. minutes. Like, that, that why am I going to bother? Game was with over. That, yeah. Uh, the Charger Raven game. You know, I mean, the Ravens kind of made it interesting at the end. Other than that, it was boring because they can't throw the ball. Well, that's the just the, the style you of know, football. Um, yeah. The uh, the Cowboys Seattle game. Yeah. 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 And the Bear Eagle game. I mean, it was interesting to me because I'm a Bear fan. But it, I mean, it was sixteen to fifteen. There was really. I mean. If you're just an average fan, I don't know. You just how. don't know who's going to win. You don't know what it's going to come down to. So I guess there you got me. But even this week, Chiefs go up seventeen to nothing immediately. Patriots are up seventeen to nothing in the first five minutes. The only game that really hooked me that I started was when Drew Brees threw a pick on the first yeah. first pass, and then the Eagles went down and they scored, and I just kind of went. Okay, the, and then they that, stopped them again, and they, the Eagles went in and scored. But they're but the road they team. But they then they ex- don't score again. But they weren't expected to win, sure, and they, and they sure. had the lead for almost the entire game. So yeah. you're like, that you was know, decent. there's so a little bit of a story in there. Where is this going to happen again? They won for eight, though. 
I mean, that's that's kind of I the know. I I just I thought this year was going to be really interesting because you know other than really the Saints and the Chiefs, I thought everybody was kind of anybody could beat anybody anywhere, mm-hmm. and it really hasn't panned out that way. So you've got the conference championships. The Rams are at the Saints. These two played and they scored a combined eighty points. Yeah. In the game that was supposed to change football. 45 to 35. Uh, Saints won. Rams trying to fix that. And then uh, the Patriots and the Chiefs met in week six, I believe it was. And that was in New England. And the Patriots won, uh, I think, by three. So, And these are both pick'em games. Mm-hmm. The line's about three, three and a half, yep. something like that. So yep. nobody's really favored because of home field. Um, that generally, unless you get Jaguars, Patriots, that's generally the conference championships go. You usually can't yeah. really favor anybody to a degree. Right. Right. Well, so. you know, I, I thought that, um, I thought the saints defense was impressive on Sunday against Philadelphia. Um, so I think they're going to have some confidence and momentum going into the, the Ram game. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of punts and a lot of stops, um, it, it may only take one late in the game. Right. And I feel like I, I trust the Saints defense a lot more than the Rams. The Rams got the big names, you know, and they got a guy like Aaron Donald who's Front got a seven. bunch of stats. Yeah. But, like, they're, they've been susceptible this For year sure. to give up a lot of big plays. And uh, in the AFC, I heard something today. Tom Brady has played three road conference championship games. He's on three, hmm. which is very interesting. Interesting. You know, that's something that they're not used to going on the road in this game. Well, and, and since the merger, this is the first game that Arrowhead has hosted. Yeah. In an that AF, place in an is AFC going to be insane. You would have to think so. So you do you have some picks? You have any <sighs> you have anybody favored that you think's gonna go through? <sighs> Man. I like the I like the Saints. I, I had the Saints in the Super Bowl at the yep. beginning of the year. I'm sticking with that. Right. In the AFC <sighs> It's so damn hard to go against Brady. But I got to go with the Chiefs. So home teams. I I just don't know that the Patriots can stop that offense. But um, as weird, as much as I can't stand the Patriots and everything they're about for the last 17 years or whatever it's been, I would be okay if they won because I am so tired of hearing about how great Pat Mahomes is. (laughs) I mean, he had a nice year. He might be really good for a decade. Can we just let the dude play? Can we just watch him play here? Pump the brakes a little bit. You know? Okay. I mean, it, I think he, he's fair. probably going to win the MVP. That's yeah. great. Um, you know, everybody drooled over Cam three years ago, and he won it, and he was the future of football, and that hasn't really played out. So let's just, you know, okay. pump the brakes a All little right. bit. And, you know, but on the other hand, I'd really like to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl. I would too. He's a good football coach. He's a good guy. Had a tough personal He's loss. Ta- he takes a lot of shit from a lot of people yep. about not winning the big one. And, uh, you know, he got to the Super Bowl the one year with the Eagles and lost to the Patriots. But um, I don't know. It's a guy that I'd like to see that on his resume. The meme circulating today that in the last two days was awesome of him in the locker room celebrating. Two more wins, we get to go eat fast food at the White House. <laughs> I did not see that. That's pretty good. It's, it's pretty, good. It's, it's pretty, That's good. pretty good. So, all right, we will have our Pro Bowl breakdown next week. Yeah. That'll be exciting. Yeah. Can we move on? Wake me up. <laughs>
Bucks are uh, in back-to-back games. They rest. They got an opportunity to rest some guys. And you and I were at the game last night, not the Bucks game, um, but doing our our local game, and we were keeping an eye on that score. And when they had lost, I had read that they hadn't won in two years against the Heat. And you were talking about matchups, and then they just went out and absolutely annihilated. Uh, Miami and Bledsoe had said in the post game that the plan was to get up big and stay up and and keep being up big. So I think they were really motivated for that game. I got the sense because I think they probably knew, you know, the history, and they said, "Yeah, we we need to stop this right now." Yeah, pride kicked in, you know, and and most of the guys on the Bucks, it was they had had a six game losing streak against Miami, and most of the guys on the Bucks had been a part of that losing streak, so. Right. Yeah, I think they were definitely motivated. It's a it's a conference opponent. They had already lost to him once this year, so you didn't want to get down 0-2. Um, the, now, they're probably not going to be fighting with Miami for positioning, but uh, there is a very good chance that they play them in the first round if Miami were to make the playoffs. They're going to be at like the 7-8 seed. Um, so you want to be able to at least have a little bit of the psychological edge, whether it be over them or just for yourself. Um but still 31 and 12, second in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they won three or four in the last week. Um and that was on a road trip, they finished two out of three. Yeah, they they won a won a big game on the road at Houston. Yep. And uh then lost, they turned around and got lost beat. against the Wizard. No. Yep. Yeah. They got Wizards. beat against the Wizards. Giannis they, did not play. Right. And then they won in Atlanta. They won in Atlanta and then last night. So nice little run. Didn't yep. play real top caliber teams other than Houston, but you know, three or four is pretty good. You got the magic on the horizon after the Grizzlies, so a couple of road games, and then Martin Luther King. That's an afternoon. I'll be at that game. Yeah, that's an afternoon game yep. against the Mavericks. You want to see your boy Dirk? I'm, I'm excited to see Dirk, Dirk for on, one last time. On crutches. And I'm really excited to see Luka Doncic in person. Well, that's, that's really your, excited. That, that's your guy. No. Yeah. All right. What else you got on the Bucks? Well, we talked about it a little last week, but we'll I'll go over it briefly here again. Um, you know, Giannis obviously is you know, top one or two guys in the MVP conversation. And Chris Middleton, very likely maybe an all-star this year. Bledsoe is going to be a borderline all-star. But the other two starters, Malcolm Brogdon and Brooke Lopez, have have had really good years. Um, Brogdon right now is the only guy in the league shooting over 50% from the field, over 40% from three, and over 90% at the free throw line. And he's missed now three free throws the entire year. I think he's taken about 95. Is it up to three? I thought it yeah, was two. He, he, he missed, missed one, one last night, night too. Okay. Um, but only three out of about 90, 95. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. And uh, Lopez, just just his personal reinvention of shooting all these threes. When you were a 20-point-a-game low-post scorer for the majority of your career, and now you're shooting you know, eight, ten threes a game. It's pretty impressive, and and those guys are a big part of the reason why the Bucks have had the the year they've had so far. Um, and then two young guys off their bench getting surprising contributions: um, DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown. I was very very down on the Wilson pick. Right, I uh, you, I remember you saying that. You know, they got nothing out of him last year. He was hurt. Uh, he started the season hurt. He's had a lot of leg and shoulder problems. But when Urson was out. With the broken nose, Wilson got some time and really impressed me and played well. And a very versatile young guy, can guard multiple positions, is able to hit some threes. He's a good rebounder. Um, I think they might have got a steal there now in hindsight, kind of looking at at, at uh, some of the guys that went around his draft slot. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, Sterling Brown, you know, second round pick last year, he got a little bit of time last year, but he's really come on this year and and established himself as a guy that can come in and play really good defense and and knock down some threes. So um, it's been fun watching this team so far. They got a lot of depth. They've had a lot of guys um, in certain situations step up. And uh, it was unfortunate they couldn't pull that wizard game out the other night without Giannis. They got down big early and kind of clawed back and just petered out at the end. But um, to have been able to win without him would have been nice for those Where's guys. Where's Washington in the grand scheme of things in the East? Out of the playoffs right now. Okay. Out of, they're, right. they're probably one of the two or three most disappointing teams in the league okay. so far. So. All right. Uh, in the West, you still got Golden State on top. Yeah, they... Which, uh, they're back on top. The Denver was number one for pretty much the whole year, and last night Golden State went into Denver and beat them by thirty. Ooh, so a uh, little bit of a message sent. They're trying to figure by the champs. Trying, they've got stuff figured out now. Is everything okay? Well, they got healthy, and now they're waiting for Cousins to come back here in the next week to ten days, and you know, integrate him. And I, I you know. Barring injury, there's nobody that's going to beat them four times in a series. Okay, it's pretty academic at this point but um i guess from a just from a pure basketball standpoint it was nice to see them last night you know show up in a big game and right. say hey look you know we've had some issues this year but we can you still, still got to go through us we can still kick your ass if if we're really motivated exactly okay yeah. uh who's winning the uh battle for mvp so far between harden and Giannis? Well, for me, it's still Giannis. It, is that more with your heart or with your head? Uh, with my head, just okay. because the team is in a better situation than Houston um, in terms of the standings. You know, Harden's been amazing for about the last three weeks. He's averaging close to 40 a night with Chris Paul out. He's been really impressive, but they really started off poorly, and uh, I'm not sure he can keep that pace up the whole year. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that it's good for the team if he does because history is kind of shown with him when you ask him to do that much, he kind of peters out in the playoffs. Sure. Um, but right now I think it's really close. I'd still give the nod to Giannis. I just think that, you know, he's he does so many things for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's averaging like 13 rebounds a game at the as a small forward, which is ridiculous. Okay. Um, but it's close. That's right. for sure. Moving on to college hoops, I know you're uh, you're pretty excited about Marquette. They're up to 15th. That's the highest they've come in the uh, uh, Wojo era yeah. so far. Um, they're four and one in the Big East. They've won a couple of road games. They beat Creighton in OT. That game was in Omaha. Yeah. in Omaha. That, that was, was an amazing, game. unbelievable game. And you had texted me that during the game, you don't think you didn't think at the time you have ever seen anything like Marcus Howard's 53 points. I talked to you the next day and I said, okay, that was great because I watched the highlight reel the next morning. I didn't watch any of the game. And clearly the dude was just feeling it. I was more impressed with the shot by Hauser in traffic, off balance, twisting in a 180 to put the game into overtime. That was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it was pretty awesome. I, I, and that has not, not a whole lot to do with as much talent as Howard has. I mean, that's uh, Hauser, you just, you know. Blind squirrel, that's fine. For sure. You, you hit yep. one of those, and it, I mean, it's amazing, but clearly the real story of it was Howard's 53. Yeah. I, you know, I was talking to John Barry at, at, over at Craig the other night before our game, and, and we were both saying the same thing. Like, you know, I, there there's a very small hand, handful of guys that you've seen in college get 50. And 
I, you know, with, with a kid like Howard, you kind of got to watch the, you know, it sounds stupid, but you really got to watch him play. He's only about 5'11", and the way he creates separation from his defender and gets these threes off, and I mean, he has these games where he's like eleven or 8 for 11 from three. It's not like he takes, you know, 19 of them and he makes six. Right. Like he's shooting like these games, he's shooting like 70% from three. It's crazy. And, um, you know, the, uh, every defense in the league is geared up to stop him. And, I mean, the guy's still pouring in 53. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. You know, th- I don't care who you're a fan of. You know, you watch a guy do something like that. It's pretty cool, especially in college. They had a win against Seton Hall. They went to D.C. and beat Georgetown without Howard. Yeah. Hauser dropped in 31. That's a career high for him. So yeah, he was great last night. They're back at the Fiserv this weekend against Providence. They've got DePaul on the horizon. The Blue Demons have kind of improved mm-hmm. it's not like you can take them completely lightly but that's right now those are those are two winnable games right on the horizon yep and uh they they're both home games Marquette has not lost at home yet um the five serve is has proved to be a nice home court advantage for him so um I hopped on bracketology today to check <laughs> it out and and uh, right now Lenardi's got him as a five seed okay so Five twelve um, upset, yeah, great. I thought they, you know, anywhere in that four to six range is where I kind of figure them to be. Um, the Big East is not as strong as it's been the last couple of years. Still got those, probably still get four or five teams in the tournament. But even Villanova this year is a little bit down, okay. which is understandable. I mean, they've won the last two titles. It's you can't just keep bringing these guys in. You know, right. it's not it's not quite the factory that Duke is. All right, switch gears to the Badgers and. Um... Things are going downhill in a hurry, and right now they're staring at a potential third straight loss um, to Michigan on Saturday morning. At least it's at the Kohl Center, but Wolverines haven't lost. They're ranked second in the country, and right now the Badgers are 500 in the Big Ten, and they're tied for sixth. They lost to Purdue in overtime. Probably should have had that one. Um, Maryland, credit for on the road, not giving up when you're down 21 in the second half and taking the lead, but right now things aren't aren't looking too rosy in Badgerland. No. Um they're they're a little offensively challenged. Yes. Um, you know, the, I think it was the Minnesota game, they had fourteen points at half yep. the other night against they had fifteen. They had fifteen yep. against Maryland. Mm-hmm. And and even in the Purdue game, they were down double digits in the first half and had to fight and claw back and you know, it, ta- it takes so much out of a team when you get down early like that to have to fight all the way back and and be able to sustain that level of intensity for so long without, you know, you can't afford any kind of a two-minute lull when, you've, when you're working back from a 12- or 14-point deficit. Um, you know, they... <sighs> They scored like 45 or 47 points in the second half the other night against Maryland, so people would say, well, see, they can they can score. They're not offensively challenged. Well, but the problem is they're, you know, they go through these droughts. They're kind of like some of the early Bo Ryan teams. You remember, like, they'd go through these offensive droughts where they'd score like four points in eight minutes. Yep. They'd be Absolutely. up. They'd be up ten, and yep. then they wouldn't score for eight minutes, and but somehow they were only down two because they played such good D. Well, they don't really have that D to fall back on and and you know frankly scoring is just it's easier to score now and you know they they they're so streaky you know when they hit their threes like they did in the second half last night oh yeah then they can score a bunch of points but they don't have a lot of knockdown shooters 
They're very streaky. Pritzel might hit three, but then he might miss his next 12. Right. You know, um, they really rely on Hap so much offensively that, and, and the problem is he only makes twos. Oh, yeah. You and he doesn't, you can't even you count. get him out of the lane and it's it's not happening. No, he can't shoot out of the lane. And he can't even make when he gets throws. fouled and makes a two, it's not necessarily a three point no, play because, because he can't make free and throws. And he turns the ball over. They had, I think it was 16, 15 turnovers the other night, 16, something like that, double digits. And he almost had half of them. Yeah. He had seven or eight. Yeah. So. Uh, and it, it's understandable for your best guy to have the most because he's going to have the ball the most, but you can't have eight. And still, when he's your remote, your most reliable scorer and inside defender, when you look and you you know you and I have talked about this, when you look at next season for a team that's offensively challenged, when he's getting a good bulk of your points, where's the scoring going to come from next year? And I realize right. you're you're halfway through the Big Ten schedule right now, and you got a lot of games to go, and there's a lot of improvement to make, and you still can kind of figure some stuff out, and make a run, but just bypassing all that and looking at next year. The blueprint that they're putting out this year points to a lot of trouble of scoring when they even have trouble scoring this year after Ethan Happ's gone. Yeah, there's no question. And you know, and another thing with Happ that people don't necessarily think about, Happ's one of the all-time steals leaders in the Big Ten history. He's a good, very underrated defensive player. But because he's asked to carry so much of a load offensively, his defense has slipped. And with his defense slipping, he's not as willing to necessarily challenge shots at the rim because he can't get in foul trouble. If he gets two fouls at the 17-minute mark of the first half and you got to play 17 minutes with him on the bench... How are you going to score? <laughs> that's not, you know. Nope. So that's that's the team strategy right now. Put put that guy at the line. Yeah, can't afford to have him in. But okay, now you lose an offensive weapon and a good defender inside. But if he's a liability when they put him at the line, what are you supposed to do? Right. Right. It's kind of a catch twenty two. All right. Well, and it, it got me thinking yep. because you know you're you're starting to hear you heard it you heard it last year, which was silly. And you've heard it a little bit this year of some rumblings about Greg Gard's job security as the coach of the Badgers, you know. And and one of the things you're hearing is that the recruiting has slipped since Bo left, and you know they're not getting in the caliber of players that they got in previously. Well, I went back and and hopped up on one of the recruiting sites just because I was a little curious, kind of of, of where they've been. Um, so and and. You know, just like in football, some classes are larger than other classes sure. based on graduation yep. rate or guys going pro right. or whatever. You, you don't just consistently add three or four guys. Right. So the the rankings here, you know, you can kind of take with a grain of salt because you're going to have a crappier ranking if you're only bringing in one kid versus bringing in three or four. So um, in 2014, they only had one recruit, and that was Hap. So in 20, I think that was a good year. Yeah. So 2015, which was Bo Ryan's last recruiting Correct. year. Correct. This is his last class. So they were they were they had they brought in five kids. They were tenth in the Big Ten in terms of rating for recruiting. So they brought in Pritzel, Iverson, Charlie Thomas, Alex Illicanen, and that Van Vliet kid. Yep. Okay. So Pritzel was a four star. Iverson, Thomas, Illicanen were three, and Van Vliet didn't have a rating because he was foreign. Um, I think. I mean, aren't there not only, a good class? I think there are only a couple guys even left on the team. Well, you got Pritzel, Iverson, and Thomas are left. Yes, the other two have 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 transferred. 
Um, Charlie Thomas does not basically play. No. And Iverson and Pritzel, they, they are they start, but they they don't offer. They, they a should lot. be bench guys. They should be eight to ten minute guys yeah. on a good team. Yep. Twenty sixteen. So this would be um, guards first guards class. first class. He had two kids, twelfth in the Big Ten. Yep. Aline uh, Ford, Ford and Demetri Trice. Trice. Yeah. Decent. Yeah. Both both three star yep. guys. Twenty seventeen. He's fifth in the conference. This has, is has a nice class. This was a nice trifecta when it happened. Right. People were excited about Nate Reavers, Brad mm-hmm. Davison, and Kobe King was yep. was an in state guy. Correct. And uh, like I said, they were that was fifth in the league. Uh, 2018, last year, 13th in the league again. Um, they get a kid, Curry, uh, Rod Strickland's son. Ty, yep. Ty mm-hmm. and uh, and Hedstrom from up in Minnesota. Um, the only one that's seen the floor this year is Strickland. Strickland. And all three of them were pretty low three-star recruits. Okay. And this year, so far, uh, they're 13th, and they've got a kid committed, uh, small forward, Jared Wall, yep. and he's a three-star recruit. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? Well, you're you're not getting the high four you're not getting four star guys. So you you're getting three star guys, which puts you as kind of a in terms of recruiting, you're kind of a low you're a low level high major program in terms of recruiting, or you would be a very high level mid major mm-hmm. in terms of recruiting. Correct. That's kind of where they're at. Um if you look at this list though, so you've got one, two, three, four, five. You've got about 15 kids here on this list over this six-year span. You've only got two kids from Wisconsin. Yes, correct. And you've got a lot of guys that have come out of Wisconsin that have gone to other programs that are very, very good players for other teams. Yes. Um, and I got a little list here that's, when you when you put it down and you look at it, it's a little head-scratching. Um, they had Tyler Hero committed, and he From was the, he yep. was the top recruit in the state yep. last year. And uh, they had him committed; it was a done deal. He except he didn't actually sign; it was a verbal. And he decided to back out and go to Kentucky. Yep, it is what it is. There's Fine. nothing you can do about that if you're the Badgers. Yep. Um, they had another kid up north last year who was the player of the year in the state, uh, Jordan McCabe, little point guard at Kaukana. And he is at West Virginia playing for Bob Huggins right now. Okay. And uh, didn't play a lot early in the season, but is starting to get more time. Good league, obviously, Big 12. Sure. West Virginia perennial tournament team. Um, another f- kid that's a freshman that was a senior last year on the state champion, Oshkosh North, Tyrese Halliburton, 6'6 six, six point guard, who's currently starting for Iowa State and leading the Big 12 in minutes played. <laughs> okay. You've got the Hauser brothers. Yep, both from Spash. Yep. Um, Sam and Joey, both at Marquette. Yep. And now I, this is what I've heard. Okay. They recruited Joey, the younger one, who, uh-huh. was a, who was a freshman this year. They recruited him very hard. They did not recruit his older brother, Sam, mm-hmm. uh, for reasons I do not know. But they didn't recruit him. He ends up at Marquette, and Joey wants to go play with his brother. Fine. Goes, goes to Marquette. Yep. So... Just in those two classes, you've got all these kids that are that are high level D one players that are not going to Madison. And I think you know, forget the who, when, and why. There's a you know, I've heard all the excuses from Badger fans. He couldn't get in academically. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. You know, well maybe you should 
you know, figure out a way to identify these guys a little earlier and maybe help them in high school to get them to be academically qualifiable. Um, but there's one kid that really had me scratching my head. Chris Knight. From Madison Memorial. From Madison Memorial. Yep. He is currently a sophomore at Dartmouth, averaging 15.5 points and 7.5 rebounds a game. you telling me he's not better than Charlie Thomas? <laughs> and, he was, and he was down the street from you. Right. Yeah, and, literally. And he's going to an Ivy League, League school. school. So you can't tout academics. No. He's, so, and he's he's 6'8", 225, which is about what Charlie Thomas is. So he would be a, a, a big forward in the Big Ten. You're telling me that kid couldn't play there? I would be curious to know why. I would too. That didn't have, because you and I have seen a couple of Badgers coaches at Sun Prairie games mm-hmm. back when um, Jaden Johnson was before he transferred to Nicolet, and so you can you can already tell that the Badgers are in on him, and he is uh, Madison. I uh, Sun Prairie I could it's almost, it's a suburb of Madison at Correct. this point. Yeah. Um, so it's it's at least close. But there's a guy from the Big 8 that plays in your area against pretty good competition around the state, went to the state championship, um, has got all the tools. He's being recruited by all the big programs. And I don't know even which way that thing is leaning, but at least they're they're efforting there. I've I've read some things that they are the favorite as of right now, which means nothing to me. No. Because that's those, you know, they're high school kids. They Tyler, change their mind every five Tyler minutes. Tyler Hero, Badgers were the favorite. I think that if they do not get him, I think that's going to spell a lot of trouble for Greg Gard. Um, but I'm not sure he's going to be in college more than a year. Okay, but can he help? Sure, he could help for maybe a half of a season because I don't think he's so you don't even gonna come in and dominate or you don't anything. necessarily want him is what you well, I don't know the Badgers have never gone that route right you know they 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 shied away from Diamond Stone and Henry Ellenson for those reasons because those kids well that was one of the reasons they shied away from Stone but especially with Ellenson those guys were one and done they everybody knew that um and that's you know that's not the way the Badgers have run their program I think the only two guys that I can remember that ever even left early were Devin Harris and Decker, and they left after their junior years. So it's not like they were, you know, one and done or anything. So I don't know. It's it's interesting when you put it on paper and you look at the names and the rankings yep. and, and kind of who they've ended up being. Sure. And and some of these guys that are that are that going t- out of state to play. That 2015 class. That's rough. That's bad. That's rough. I mean that kind of that that means to me that Bo had one foot out the door. It does, yeah. But but back back to the guard can't recruit thing. Well, when guard was the lead recruiter, they were getting a lot of good players. So now that guards, you know, when you're the head coach, you're you're the you're the closer, right? The assistants go out and they do all the legwork, and you come in and, and you come and, in and close the deal. Yep. So. I, I and I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here. Is Guard not a good closer? Is Howard Moore and and was, some of these guys that are below him now that are his assistants that are recruiting are they not doing their job well enough? I would have to say if you're a good recruiter, you would know what it takes to close. So I would be more on the side of the guys are not under him doing 
as, as good a job as he did when he was in their position. Now, they did lose Lamont Paris, who was a very right. good recruiter for them. I think he's at like Tennessee, Chattanooga Tennessee, or something like Chattanooga, that yeah. to, for a head coaching job. Yeah. And, and I think that has hurt them. I don't think they've been able to replace what he brought to the table. Um, but that really is an excuse. This is big-time college basketball. Yep. And, you know... Um, and, if, and if you can't do it, you need to find somebody who can. I think the most shocking thing when you look at this list is like, you know, in 2014, they made the Final Four, but they brought everybody back. Yep. So that's why they only had the one slot open and they get Hap. In 2015, they play in the national championship game. And this is the class they bring in? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what is like, what? You would think that that. If you sort were of ever, an accolade. If you were ever gonna gonna you know outkick your coverage and get somebody that or people wouldn't think that you would necessarily be able to get at the top of your resume, that would be the yeah. year. Yep. But that that's probably the worst year of all these years, which is which is very odd. strange. So I don't know what to make of it. All right. I, I I'm not you know everybody knows I'm a Marquette fan. I'm not a big Badger fan. I like Greg Gard very much. Uh, he recruited me when he was him and Bo were at Platteville when I was in high school. <laughs> He used to run Bo's camps when we were little kids over at Platteville. Uh, really nice dude. I hope the best for him. I don't want to see him get fired. Uh, but, you know, finishing in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten anymore, it's, you know, this ain't the Steve Yoder years. <laughs> you know, I mean, people expect the Badgers mm, now to one. be in a top four yeah, or five uh, position. Yes. And to win at tournament l- At least so, the top half of the conference. Yeah, I don't know. Bare minimum. All right, we'll see. We'll see what happens. A lot of lot of games left to go this yep. year. They can certainly still turn it around, but we'll see. Let's move to baseball. We are closing in the hour mark um, for this edition of the Intentional Foul, and Brewers are less than a month away for pitchers and catchers reporting. We're about a month away from um, the rest of the position players uh, for coming in, uh, and a lot of things have happened like in the last week, week and a half. Um, as far as uh, roster and the two major ones, Keon Broxton finally traded to a place where he's going to be able to play regularly. They're going to platoon him in center field um, at the Mets. And then they signed Yasmani Grandal to a one-year $18 million deal. They have an option uh, for next year, but um, two big roster moves, one addition, one subtraction. And I don't know the pieces it seems like one of the relievers that they got in the Broxton trade is kind of the centerpiece of the deal. Um, he's probably not going to make the big league roster right away, but they're hoping probably to get him there in a year or two, I would imagine. Um, can't remember what the kid's name is. Is it Wall? W-H-L? Uh, it sounds right. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, his numbers weren't eye-popping. Yeah. Spent a lot of time at AAA last year with a couple of different teams because he was he was traded as well. Um but I, I don't know. What do you think of the Grand All side? I kind of feel bad for uh, what's his diddle, Kratz. Eric, yeah, Eric Kratz. Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, I, unless the shine is off that feel good story. Yeah, it's. It, Are we it's, done with that? When they lost in Game Seven, it was done for we, me. We we to the point now where the Brewers are competing for the pennant for the division. They need to be fielding a, fielding a competitive team, and if that's the case, then I think you've kind of said right now that we can't do this. With Eric Kratz. In 20 years, when they honor the 2018 Central Division champs. He's going to be one of the dudes. He's going to be there, and he's going to get a huge ovation because yep. everybody's going to remember him. his performance in the NLDS. But I love this Grandall signing. 
I think this was. It a, doesn't bother a, you in the in the NLCS that he couldn't catch no, anything. No. Okay. No, I, I just. Who knows what was going on with him? Oh, for sure. Okay. No, I I just look at his career numbers. Guys hit like seventy three homers and drove in two hundred runs the last three years. And and he's a switch. And he's a switch hitter. And he's a he's a good defensive catcher. He's not the thrower that Pena is. Can you keep him on the hook for that option? Well, I think it depends on the year he has. I think it depends because the way I the way I see it here, I, I went on Baseball Reference today to check this out. So. The they're calling it an eighteen point two five one year deal, but what it really is it's sixteen in salary. It's sixteen with a two point two five million dollar buyout. So if if it doesn't work out this year, they buy him out next next winter for two point two five. He gets his eighteen two and he's gone. So they have a, a mutual option of sixteen mil. So it really will could turn out to be a two year thirty two. I mean that I'm fine with that. For sure. If you look at the Brewer salary structure right now, you've got Braun at 18, you've got Kane at 16, you've got Grandal at 18. Nobody else is making double-figure salary. You're paying Arcea nothing, Aguiar nothing, Hader nothing, Burns nothing, Woodruff nothing. Somebody's got to make some money on it. I don't care who it is. And, and it's weird, though, that when you put it that way, this is still possibly going to eclipse the 2000 was it 14 team or no 2011 11, team yeah. uh of 110 million Something like that, i think yeah, yeah. of the highest payroll for the brewers ever well look the brewers like to brag about getting 3 million in the gate that's a that's a big number for them they talk about it a lot well this is reinvested in your team for the fan base and and you have to love it if you're a brewer fan you know, you go to the seventh game of the NLCS. You don't want them. You don't want to be the Marlins. No, and, and all of a sudden watch some kind of a teardown and be like, "Well, you know, we gave it a shot." No, this team is built to contend for the next couple years with Braun and Kane. Uh, you know, te- teetering on that point of where they're going to start going down in the next year or two. So your window's not real big. Um, so to go out and spend money on on a on a Good catcher, which has been a position of need for them. I mean, sure. people like Pena, and and he's been he's been adequate. But, but is he? But he's just a guy. He's just a guy. You know, Grandal's an all star caliber catcher, and they were high on Jacob Nottingham when they got mm-hmm. him, and they were kind of saying this is the they wanted him to kind of yeah. move up through their system to be the next guy. But how many years have we kind of been waiting for him to get the time and then maybe get the backup job? Right. Before he finally could ascend to the starting job, and this kind of says he's still not there yet, even to get the backup job over Eric Kratz. Right, right. Well, and, and there's I've heard some people complain about the Grand All signing, like, oh, you should have taken that eighteen million and and put it toward a pitcher. Who? Nobody's going to sign one year for everybody, eighteen. Everybody or break that up. Well, everybody really? said the same crap last year, and I was part of it to a point. But if you look at some of the guys that that were out there last year that ended up signing like one or two year deals, like they were terrible. Like none of those guys panned out. You know, the Brewers ended up doing better with with a guy like Miley. That was our our friend who listed all the free agent pictures. Yeah. That, but it's like you know, would you ra- last winter? Who would you have rather had, Miley or Lance Lynn? Well, everybody would have said Lance Lynn, Lynn at but the beginning of the year. Lance Lynn signed for like twelve million, and you were paying five hundred grand to Miley, and he was better. So. Speaking of Miley, he opted out, Mustakas opted out, mm-hmm. and you and I talked about this on the car ride um, a couple of nights ago, and both kind of think that 
they're going to see what's out there, but maybe there could be still a home for them with the roster. I think uh, I, I think it was Ken Rosenthal tweeted yesterday that um, the the Brewers are definitely not done, and he th- he thought there was a very good chance that they would get Miley back. Okay, and the Mustakas thing is really in flux, and you know a lot of these dominoes are not going to fall until Machado and Harper sign. Because so many teams are waiting to see if they're going to have other money. You know, if you well, if you're the, the White Sox and you're trying to sign Machado for 100, you know, 75 million, if he doesn't go there, well, I got to be able to allocate that money somewhere but else. But you also see this in the NFL: the free agent, ha- the market has to be set mm-hmm. by a deal, and then you can start grading these players below them of what they're worth in the market. And until well, those guys and do it, yeah, and that's the rub because. These teams aren't shelling out the kind of money that Scott Boris and these agents right. think that they should be shelling out. And um, you know, I had a conversation with somebody today about that. And and you know, with with all the analytics now, teams have gotten smarter. I mean, you look at you know, look at a team like the Brewers or the Astros. You know, they got good by having cheap young guys on their roster, and then you can sprinkle in. A guy or three here that you can afford to spend money. That you can afford on. to yep. spend money on, but you know when you're talking about committing two hundred and fifty, three hundred million dollars to somebody, you know this isn't the NBA where one guy can change your fortune. That's not how baseball works. I mean, look at the contract that. I mean, the two contracts that I think all these teams are looking at is A Rod and Pujols. Yes, and you know A Rod ended up winning a title with the Yankees, but the amount of money that they had to pay that guy and, and they, all the crap they had to go and through. And they put him out of position because they yeah. already had a guy where they and, wanted him. And Pujols is making $30 million a year. He's, he, he's pretty not. much washed. I yes. mean, he can still hit some home runs, but... But he's turning into just a guy. Yeah, so, you know, I, I understand, you know, Machado and Harper, they're both like 25. Um, But Bryce Harper was on some really good national teams, and they couldn't get out of the first round. So why am I paying you $30 yeah. million? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you if you're still because <laughs> I think Machado today it was like seven year one seventy five mm-hmm. is what the White Sox are offering, sure. and I think they offered it a couple weeks ago, and they haven't budged because they're like, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna bid on ourselves. No, why? You no, know? they they have to no have to wait. It's gonna be very interesting where those two end well, up. You got less than a month before spring training kind of kicks off. And uh, I can't wait for baseball. I really can't. Football's coming to an end. Uh, I'm going to be curious, and I'm probably going to be one of the very few that watches these new football leagues. They've already been promoting it. I just kind of want to see. Which, what, what's that who, I, I, I don't even know the name, but it's being promoted on the networks. Huh. Um, I want to say it starts with an A, but I don't even know. It's not When's the XFL. When's the XFL start? I thought it was next year. Okay. But th- this AFL. Or this Is that going to be a summer league? Is that how that's working? Sure. Vince will have something. Uh, I don't know, but I'll. I, I'm not going to be done with football. I'll probably check it out, and because it's football, I might watch. Obviously, you can't get invested. I'll be curious to know the the second tier of guys that can't make the NFL that just want to still play. Right. That you don't hear about unless somebody wins the Gray Cup in the Canadian. Oh, like oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He oh, played yeah. for such and such yeah. a team. Those are the guys that I think we're going to see play in the United States. You'll see some of these guys. Well, it'll be like watching the NBA G League. You'll be like, oh, 
Yeah. That's where that guy went. Yep, I was ex- wondering what happened to him. He was it, pretty good. Right. You think he's good, but didn't make it, can't get to a big league roster, but still has enough talent to still be competitive. Right. I'll, yeah. I'll be, I mean, and I'll give it a shot. So, all right. Our top five that we had for last week that will carry over to this week. I was a big Jersey guy growing up. I got the East Bay catalog when that started to really be at its height of football jerseys. And I had I had some pretty cool ones. So I thought we would go through our top five jerseys of any sport that we have ever owned. And I'm looking at mine that I compiled from last week, and I did it in about three seconds. It was surprising that I don't have a specific baseball jersey on there. But I do have a basketball jersey. And these are from when we were kids. Kids. Yes. Because nobody really, really wears. I mean, unless it's game I day. I to a game. Right. That's, yeah. And you're going to a party or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Um, you want to go first? I'm going to start with my bottom. I'm, I'm going to start with my fifth favorite one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, ahead. I'll go first. Uh, number five for me, I showed you a picture of it last week. Um, I have a polyester material <laughs> green, like old school forest green a Ricky Pierce Bucks jersey <laughs> that I think I got either the first year or the second year the Bradley Center opened, so 90, 91-ish. And uh, <laughs> may, I, I should put – maybe I'll put that up on Twitter. I'll put That'd a picture of that great. jersey up I on like Twitter. That. But, yeah, that was that was a good one. I always like that one. My fifth favorite is a basketball jersey as well, and I think I had this in, like, probably seventh or eighth grade – uh, I had a Larry Johnson Charlotte Hornets jersey. The white or the teal? Teal. Okay, I had the white one. Okay. Yeah. No, I really liked the teal, and then I had, just to piggyback, I didn't want another Hornets one because I think it was a gift, a Alonzo Morning Olympic jersey. Oh, nice. So I had I had that. I had a Shaq jersey, and I had, I don't even know who else I had from basketball, but I, I really liked the color scheme of that Larry Johnson jersey. I thought, I thought that was pretty cool looking. Nice, yeah. All I always right. liked the Hornets. Yeah, man, I got a lot of bad. I got a lot of I, basketball jerseys I, I, I at home. I figured you did. Yeah. yeah. Um, number four, oh, I got to remember what I had written down here. It's been a whole week. Uh, number four, Michael, I had the Red Bulls Jordan jersey. Classic. Yeah. You really yeah. don't need to say anything. No, else about I, that. I, I think it's size forty. I used to be able to squeeze into <laughs> oh my it, God. like all the way up until I was about think, close to thirty. But think I was wearing a forty-eight when I was. <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> My number four, I really liked this because I bought it a couple of years ago and I've since outgrown it, but I, my appreciation for offensive linemen because they don't sell a lot of jerseys unless they're really, really good. Joe Thomas, Cleveland Browns. Oh, nice. I have that hanging in my closet. I think I've maybe worn it four times. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. now, and, and, I wouldn't and, think there's a lot of places to wear no, that. No, and now it doesn't fit. I mean, former Badger... Gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer, going to the College hey, Hall of Fame. You know that's I one. Mean, that's one you you frame it and you hang it on your wall. I kind of. I mean, that's you know, and the guys that I think... find somewhere someday where you can get it autographed and right. Yep, that's what I should do. Yeah, I should send it to Wildy because he does go. every Tuesday. See if Joe would sign. That. I bet he would. That would be great. You're All welcome. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, number three, I had a purple Lakers Magic Johnson jersey. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it was pretty slick. Okay, pretty slick. Uh, number three, this was a gift from my wife, a Clay Matthews white jersey. I think it's when we were burn that yet or stop it. No, but it doesn't fit. <laughs> None of these fit. Actually, my my top one still fits because of the quality that it is. But I mean, it's it's one of the legit stitched on numbers, stitched on you know plating um, on the back, and it, it it looks really really good. I just can't fit into it anymore. Uh, number two for me, and this is this was my favorite jersey like 
you know, just for wearing when I go play basketball sure. or whatever. I had a white USA Chris Mullen Dream Team jersey, Ooh, number 13. Oh, man. I love that jersey. And it was one of those ones that, like, you know, when it, it, most people had the Jordan or the Barkley or the Magic jersey, but I had the, I don't know, I don't even remember why I got Mullen, <laughs> but it was just one of those ones where, like, I'd be wearing it and people would be like, oh, Chris Mullinger, that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just not many Did people. Did you saw sweat that one. so much in it that it started to turn yellow? No, but I think it's it, I think it's been washed so much that like the numbers and the letters that you starting know to crackle start, off. Yeah, and a little bit. Do all that. A little bit. All right. My um my number two, this was a gift uh a combined from all my cousins. I think a really underappreciated player that just kind of never lived up to his billing with the Packers. I had a, a number fifty AJ Hawk jersey. Way back when, I think it was maybe his second year in the league, and they all went in, and I wore that for years. One of the few Packers over the years that I have genuinely liked. Yeah. I mean, he didn't talk a whole lot. He didn't go outside, uh, you know, where he should. Kind of just stayed reserved, did his job, never got hurt a whole lot, but they wanted more from him, fans, it seemed like, for being a number five pick. And he was married to Brady Quinn's hot sister. Correct. Yeah. Smoke show. (laughs) All right, number All right, number, number one, one for me. Yep. All right, you know, this this is a little little long winded, so you'll have to bear oh, with me. Okay. And hopefully, I, you I like can it. you'll have to go back in the wayback machine on this one. All right. So when we were kids, and I'm talking like five to nine years old, okay. um, I think it was you know the Christmas catalog. You get like the Sears catalog. Sure. You flip to the back, or whatever. <laughs> they used to sell entire NFL. Little kid uniforms, sure. Okay, yeah. You get complete the, with the mini you, shoulder you pads, get the mini and shoulder the, pads yep, and the helmet and all that. Yep, yeah. So I had two of those. Okay. And they're I I couldn't do one over the other because they're probably my two favorite football players of all time. I had a 49ers Montana, and I had an Elway Broncos. Oh, nice. And I gotta see if my I'm sure my mom. Still I know that I them. I know that I wore them a couple of years for Halloween. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we've got pictures of that somewhere. I should see if I can oh, dig those out, and you know, I probably got the eye black on, and you know, the whole thing, <laughs> the the potato the potato chip thin shoulder pads that if you ran into anybody, they oh, would just shatter. Yep, absolutely. They, they they were not meant for competition. I think those things were made out of like polyester or some weird now, material. That that was the Elway old school. Yeah, it was the it was burnt the orange, orange kind, or, or, or I mean, like the blaze orange. It was yeah, it was the blaze orange okay. top, and I and I'm th- I think white pants. Honorable mention on my list, and I got it from East Bay, was a Shannon Sharp. Oh, nice blaze orange Broncos jersey. Wow. Um, the old, so the old school. Yes. Nice. Also, honorable mention, um, a New York Giants Mark Bavaro jersey, just because he was a monster at Tecmo. I didn't have any other reason. I got a deal too for something, and I couldn't decide, so I just went. I'll just get Mark Bavaro. I don't care. New York Giants. It. I don't even think I've worn it once. <laughs> Maybe once, because I think I wore it to a turkey bowl. My number one, always had an appreciation for this guy, and I've worn it. I think we played turkey bowls for probably 17 or 18, maybe even 19 years, um, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and I think I've worn them for probably all but one of them. Tony Siragusa, Baltimore Ravens. Awesome. Nice. I have so many Turkey Bowl pictures of that goose jersey because I love that was when the defense was one of the meanest, nastiest defenses that wound up winning a Super Bowl. Um, and he was just the cornerstone guy that would just eat up blockers. And the the urban legend of him being at White Castle and downing a hundred burgers 
in one sitting. I just had a couple bucks, and it's not the good quality. It's just screen printed. It doesn't have anything stitched on it, but still to this day, it hangs in my closet, and I would I would whip it out every Turkey Bowl Saturday while we played, and I don't think since we stopped playing a couple of years ago that I've worn it since, but it, I still see it, and then I'm like, man. That's funny. I love the Syracuse jersey. Well, I guess I should tell the truth. I really, I, I really should tell you what my true number one is. Okay. It's a blue and white reversible. Really? Num- number two, Janesville Boys and Girls Club, Dan Saunders jersey. You had it personalized? Oh, we all had our names on the back of those things. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. We were big time. We were ballers. Wow. That thing should be hanging. Hanging in the hall, I baby. I don't think we kept our Janesville Craig <laughs> track jerseys. Otherwise, that might be. I think I might still have some of them pants. Oh, though, those track oh yeah, pants. because they got rid of those. They just, they, do you want these back? No, we're getting new uniforms yeah. next year. Yeah. Those really old oh, purplish because yeah. they had been faded. They were blue and then they faded to purple. You might as well be standing out in your underwear. Those things were tissue paper thin <laughs> with so your little, your little nut hugging track shorts on. <laughs> All right, good episode of The Intentional Foul. Good to be back. We will try and do it again next week. We will know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. We'll see if the Brewers make any more moves. Maybe the Badgers can pull an upset. Um, and uh, hopefully the Bucks. Well, enjoy yourself on Monday. I will. It should be a good one. Have fun. Hopefully you uh, see your boy Doncic. He does some good stuff. And uh, one last round for Dirk at the Fiserv yeah. uh, in Milwaukee. So. That's the intentional follow for this week. Appreciate the listen and or the download. You can subscribe wherever podcasts are found. My name is Josh. I'm Dan. Have a fabulous weekend. Go Bucks.